Hey, Bluntheads, welcome to the 2021 season of the Philly Blunt. It's good to be back, and our first episode of 2021 is with a rapper, hero, author, teacher, Mega Ran. Mega Ran is a, uh, a hip-hop artist who specializes in the genre of nerdcore, where they rap about video games, sci-fi movies like Star Trek, things like that. Um, I didn't even know they existed up until recently. He also spent time as a teacher. He just wrote a book about his life going from uh, West Oak Lane to the stages of Comic-Con and other hip-hop nerdcore arenas, as well as his uh, relocation to Phoenix. We talked about how he got started, what caused him to write 130 songs about the video game Mega Man, what it's like playing Comic-Con, and all kinds of good stuff. We got some good news this season. We finally got into the 21st century and instead of just being able to watch these live remote interviews during the pandemic stuff on facebook you can now check them out live on twitter twitch youtube and facebook you should be able just to find us searching all those platforms just with the philly blunt if you can't do that we know for sure that we have a link tree um link in our profiles for instagram twitter and facebook and that should have links for all the other platforms so you can watch us live and uh make sure you follow us or subscribe so you get notifications when we go live because it all depends on our guest schedule and we'll try and update you on all the social platforms uh especially twitter facebook and instagram all is to philly blunt as to when we're going live and don't forget to share this uh with your friends families co-workers anyone who you think might enjoy what we're doing and celebrate in philly so without further ado here is our sit down with mega Rand. hope you enjoy Excited to have you on the show and, and, and want to talk a, a bit about, you know, your career and, and sort of nerdcore in general. Um, I know it's it's not a, not really even that new of a form of music anymore, but I guess it was kind of new when you first got into it, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I just decided one day in, I guess, uh, 2007 or eight to make a song about a video game that I liked, you know, taking the soundtrack, just kind of re, you know, sampling it. People had done that before. And um, but this instead of just writing a traditional rap song over, a, you know, a video game beat, I decided to write about the game. Like, hey, if I was the character, this is what I would do. And, you know, I kept it kind of like reference heavy. And um, and people were like, yo, this this sounds like nerdcore. And I was like, what's that? You know what I mean? And at the same time, I realized that two years or three years earlier on the other side of the country, a guy named MC Frontalot created this term for music that was like that, you know, from people who came from like a nerdier point of view, who made hip hop music, or it's, it's since grown into other types of music. But yeah, it was just people who really loved nerdy things, writing songs about it, you know? So it's like Star Wars, it was like Comic-Cons, it was like, you know, all the nerdy things that people were into, people started making songs about them. So yeah, that led to me starting to do shows with those guys, doing tours with those guys, meeting up at festivals. And then we were like, hey, like, we should be rolling together like this is all similar <laughs> so i noticed a lot of support in the scene just like in the underground hip-hop movement of you know maybe the early 2000s or so where you just everybody was at the same shows everybody's hanging out so you wind up you know kind of kind of becoming a crew i guess but it just led to shows in like the most unorthodox places you know like conventions <laughs> you know right, yeah so you play comic-con right Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, were you I, I were you at that. have you gone were you, were you someone who went to Comic-Con before you performed it? No, I couldn't afford right. it. You know, yeah. like it was one I was living yeah. in Philly. 
Now they pay you to go there. How about that? <laughs> That's pretty wild. Like in the back of the comic books, you know, I remember they would always talk about like, oh, Comic Con's coming. Stan Lee be like, see you all there, Excelsior, you know. And like, <laughs> I never get to know Comic Con. If what's the difference between if I go to see Reef in the crowd and a Comic Con crowd? Like, mm-hmm. it's got to be a, a, a special you know kind of crowd. Oh, there's probably going to be more fucking people in his. <laughs> it's not that different once you start talking to the people and realizing because i i never forget i tell the story all the time i believe it was a show with reef i'm not even sure it was in philly and um Mm. and i was on stage and i was about to do a song and one dude in the front like philly's hat hoodie tim's was like yo do the mega man join do the mega man join i was like i didn't realize at the time i think it was like maybe we were over the bed for like sean price or somebody like that and like and i remember being like you know these crowds ain't that different like we all remember nintendo and we all love hip-hop you know what i'm saying so if you can make dope hip-hop that references stuff that people remember like you'll you'll see similarities you know like i go to underground rap shows all over the world and pull out a, a Game Boy and make a beat on it on stage. And people are like, yo, yo yeah. I had a Game Boy when I was young. You know what I'm saying? So like that, that's some of that stuff is universal. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so it's not that different. Does it ever frustrate you? Because I, you know, I've known you for a long time and I know your catalog is deep and extensive and you know, it's not just the, what, what people would title the nerdcore stuff. Does it frustrate you? when people only seem to want that from you? Because I know for me, it's like whenever I try to step outside of something that's not telling everyone how I'm the lyrical miracle motherfucker like they get, you know what I mean? They're like, yo, you need to be doing that, only that, and I only want to hear that always. Does that frustrate you or are you like, yo, fucking cut the check? I wouldn't say it frustrates me. There are times where I I guess I wish that there would be like people wouldn't necessarily like, judge it by the same like merits you know what i'm saying they are like yo man i really killed that verse like talk about how i killed it and then like right. i just like the beat you know what i'm saying and then you're like <laughs> well okay um right. i used to really care about it i don't as much anymore like i used to really be like but 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 real rap is so important you know like, <laughs> so i try to sprinkle it in now you know what i'm saying like i i would hope that's kind of now it's like a new challenge for me. So now I'm doing this thing this year where every Friday I'm putting out a new verse where it's just me rapping about whatever, just rapping, you know what I'm saying? So this is the fifth one I did. It came out today. And um, so it's just a challenge to myself to be like, yo, listen to these lyrics, you know, but at the same time, it's I'm pleased with what I create. And if I wasn't, then like I wouldn't do it. So, you know, I'm happy to be, to be wanted for something. I, I'll never forget there was an interview with um uh Richard Roundtree who plays Shaft. And um yep. and he was like, yo, I can't like get another job because everybody wants me to be Shaft. Like he was so frustrated. He was talking mm-hmm. to his dad about like, yo, everybody just thinks I'm just Shaft. I see people I walking down the street, everybody's like, Shaft, Shaft, Shaft. You know, and he was telling his dad he was so frustrated. And his dad was like, do they know you? You're like, yeah. Well, do they know you for something? Like, yeah. Like, do they know you for your work? Yeah. It's like, were you proud of the work you created? Yeah. It's like, all right then, what are you worried about? There's a million people yeah. walking the street that nobody knows. And they don't yeah. know nothing. So right. 
why not be happy? Especially if it's something you're proud of. If there's something you just threw out and you was like, man, whatever. And then it becomes right. your biggest thing. You'll probably hate right. that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about Mega Man, the game? Yo, the game, first of all, the music was just so dope. Like, I love the music in Mega Man. When I, I remember renting it because, again, couldn't afford it. These games were like $50, $60, and we we're, you know, 56 graders. And so we would have our blockbuster night on Fridays, and we go grab a, a couple of games. And I love Mega Man because you're playing the game, you're sitting there, and then you have to pause to go get up and, you know, fix a sandwich or do the dishes. Boop, you hit pause. But Mega Man, the music would keep going after you paused. So the music is still in your head. It's still really? it's still <laughs> and then I come back to the TV and I'm like, Yo, that's that's kinda dope. You know what I mean? Like it's in my head, you know, from throughout from the moment I start playing to after I stop. So I, I started loving the music so much that I had this little kid recorder and I sat it down by the TV, like right in front, and I would hit record and record the music. And then I'd go to school with it in my walkman. So one side was like my favorite rap tapes or whatever and the other side was like Mega Man themes and <laughs> that's just what I did you know because I just thought they were so cool so um, that's what it was and also the game like the game play style like Mega Man is this game this little blue dude he runs left and right shooting bad guys but when he beats a boss character like an enemy character he gets their ability you know what I'm saying so I always thought like yo that's that's so ill like if it, imagine like a rap battle where like you beat that person, then you got their style, and you get to use their style against the next guy, or you know, right, just right, right, right. So yeah. it made me think like versatility, you know. So it was just to me, it, it all stuck to with me because the game was fun, the music was dope, and the concept was was something I hadn't seen before. So that was how it was. Right. Wait, wait, now you, you you talked about this in a different interview that I thought was interesting, which was the big difference between being a nerd in the eighties and being a nerd today. Like how it was like back then, being a nerd was like kind of a tough thing. Like you got bullied for being a nerd. Like oh, being yeah. a, nerd, a nerd today, like every kid's playing video games. Every yeah, kid wants to be a every kid wants to be a programmer because that's where all the money is. That's like, where the money is. Yeah, yeah like, in the world right now. So right. It's, it's different. Uh, but back then, man, it wasn't easy. Like you had to, you had to either know how to fight or know how to run, <laughs> if you really loved like nerdy things. Well, which one, which one was you? Man, I was I was the third. I was the jokester because okay. then I could joke my way out of a situation. He would be like, "Yo, man, you reading that old corny nerdy stuff?" And I'll just start making jokes and Yeah, I'm just a big nerd, you know. Man. <laughs> like, hey, you funny, boy. So, all right, I'm a. I'm gonna let you slide. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I was the jokester. I would like impersonate people and just make fun of myself or whatever at just to, you know, kind of loosen the tension in situations. Mm. And um, but yeah, it's it's different. I don't want to like. I hate to be that cratchy old man. Like, man, in my day, it was you know, what I mean, it was easy. But no, nah, you know, but but yeah, like it really was different, man. Like some of the like the kids on the block would like you know, be like, oh, that's that's the nerd gang over there, like the three or four of us who would play video games. But then when they would, you know, get stuck on a level, they'd be like, hey, yo, hey, Rod, like, <laughs> tell me how to get through that, that, that stage. Tell me how to beat Mike Tyson, you know? Like, you know? <laughs> so it, it came in handy, you know, but yeah, right. it was different, man. Like, it was a different time. But 
everybody's nerdy about something. I even think back to those times when I was in the games, I was also into basketball cards. I was into mm-hmm. X-Men comic books. I could tell you Penny Hardaway's points per game average his first three seasons. You know what I mean? Like that's how how much I was into that stuff. Later, you know, people are into sneakers, people are into fashion, people are into hairstyles and everything else. So being a nerd just means you're passionate. So that's mm-hmm. really what it is. So I think it's, it's we've taken a lot of this thing out of that word, which is dope, because now kids are skateboarding, they're watching anime, they're rapping, they're they're doing everything, you know. Everything, everything. When back in the yeah. day, it was like, nah, you your kids go do that, and these kids will do this. No, nah, these kids are into everything, right. and um, mm-hmm. I've seen the evolution of kind of nerdcore now, where like it's kind of cool now. Like these dudes are like with anime rapping, but with swag you know what i'm saying for lack of a better term it's just these guys are comfortable they're cool and they're doing it at a you know at a level that might if you just listen at first glance you might think it was you know drake or somebody you know what i'm saying right. so right. it's um yeah i've seen the evolution for sure of the term and uh yeah i wrote some songs about it just being like oh man it was it was so tough but i think it's dope these kids can be their full true self you know what yeah. I mean? And that's really what, what the I think the main idea of the book was. It's just mm. so many people telling me what I couldn't be or shouldn't say or shouldn't be like because that's not what hip-hop dudes do. That's not what black men do. That's not what, mm. you know, dudes from Philly do, you know? Right, and right. I've heard that my whole career, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, it's it's difficult to, to be like, I know what you're saying, but I want to do this my way and still being able to kind of live through it. I believe you grew up in like what? Like West Oakland Mount Airy, right? West Oakland, yes. Yeah, what was it like growing up there? Because I always say that that section of the city is my favorite part of the city that I know nothing about. Every time I go up there, I'm just like, <laughs> yo, it's fucking gorgeous up here. Like, I feel like I'm in a different, you know what I mean? Like, That's all, awesome. my, all, all, my, all, my, all my friends that are from there, they're all like, like I don't know, decent people. Like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I just feel like I, I feel like West Oak. I feel like West Oak Lane Mount Area is a, is the hidden gem of yeah. area of the city. I do. It's, it's it's beautiful. It really is. Like, and I didn't realize it really growing up until I saw other parts of the city, and I was like, man, like. We tried to pretend we were in the hood, but it wasn't. <laughs> I would compare it to North or, or West, and I'd be like, no, nah, we got, like, more space. We got backyards. We got, you know, like, right, right. no, nah, it's pretty nice. But we would, you know, we didn't want people, because people thought, like, because it's barely in the city. You know what I mean? Like, like it's the last thing well, you every, see. Every, every, every neighborhood wants everyone to think the neighborhood is the toughest. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's barely in the city. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, try rolling around Queen Village late at night, Reef. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sometimes. is that how it goes down? Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, turn, you know, the sun goes south. down in Queen Village. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll go just hang out on the 19th corner, 19th and Bainbridge, and I'll just be like, Ooh, you, want oh. you want trouble? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got a problem? <laughs> huh? You go to UArts? You go to UArts? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you, you work at the hospital? <laughs> you, think, you think you're tougher than me? Oh, Yes. So yeah, we like it was it was nice. It was very nice. Everybody knew each other. Um, you know, I think most of the families there were middle middle class, I would say. But you know, there was always kids who wanted to wanted to be a little bit cooler or tougher, you know, so they would get into things. But 
but yeah, for the most part, it was it was a nice area. What made you transition and lead, uh, head out to Phoenix? Man, well, you know, I had sold so many drugs that it was time. For- <laughs> you were on the run. I had to get on the run, the you run. know? Like, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> cool G Rap made this song of On the Run, Brother on the Run. That was about me. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, um, yeah. yeah. a brother <laughs> on the run. <laughs> so, nah, man, honestly, I was teaching in Philly and I was loving that. But, man, I just got to a point where I felt like I needed to change, like, for my my own sanity, for my the sake of my, my music, my, mm-hmm. uh, like, everything, you know? The weather mm-hmm. was getting on my nerves. Mm-hmm. I'll never mm-hmm. forget. I don't know if I just see it a different way because I'm gone now, but that, I think that was summer, no, no, it was winter of 06. I feel like it was snowing up until, like, March or April, like it just felt like it just would not stop snowing, and I was just like, "Yo, I'm tired of this." Mm-hmm. And like on top of that, like I feel like music was going pretty well, but like I just felt like I needed a change. I wanted to just shake things up, you know. And like something yeah. in my spirit was like, "Just try something new," you know. I was teaching, and um, and with with teaching, you can kind of do that anywhere, you know. If you want to do it and you're qualified, you can do it anywhere. So I just put one day during work, just started filling out a bunch of uh, applications and throwing resumes everywhere. Let's just see what happens. And it was between like North Carolina, like Miami, Vegas, and Phoenix. And, um, and I was like, well, I had never been to Phoenix. It was like the one place I've never been to. And I was like, well, no snow. All right. We'll just do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, We'll give it a go. If it don't work, I'll come back in a year. It'll be all good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my mom even believed I was going to go. You know, it was just like, whatever, whatever, you know. And I'm just mm-hmm. packing up the car, selling stuff, you know, to, to get the money to go. And she's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm really going. Mom. <laughs> like, yeah, right. And, and you, uh, didn't, you didn't know anybody out there? You had a, Did you have a job lined up? Any all I that stuff? Job. I got the job. So the okay. job, it was the only place after all the ones I interviewed with, it was the only city that was going to hire me without me coming out for a face-to-face interview. You know, okay. they, we had a phone interview. I killed it. And they were like, we want you. The other places was like, yeah, you sound great, but come on out here on your own dime. We'll sit and talk to you in a room. We'll see what happens. And then, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on, I got time and money for that to be flying back and forth. So I took the Phoenix job and drove my car all the way out to Arizona. And um, I didn't even know, like, musically, if I was going to continue or stuff like that. But I just felt like it put me in a different mind state, you know. And so when I started creating, I just had a, I don't know, I had a different ear, you know. And so it was like, let me just do something different. And I don't know if I would have even done the same thing if I was still in Philly. You know, I was working in a studio in Philly guys who came through i was making beats so the guys at the time they all wanted beats to sound like jay-z and being sequels beats you know so i was doing my best to create that mm-hmm. and it was maybe taking me away from what i wanted to do so right. um so right. yeah i just started trying some new stuff and then it just so happens you know when i got the call about com- going to comic-con i was five hours away <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah, it was right, easier right, right. for me to get right. there so I think it all happened for a reason, you know. And um, absolutely, yeah. That was, how, how long you been there? How long you been there? I've been here. Oh God, fifteen years now. Wow, dang! No, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it was 06. Can I ask what was the um, biggest shock or surprise you had once you became a teacher? 
I don't know if it was a shock because kids are bad. Definitely <laughs> a moment for me. I was like, yo, these kids are rough. You know what I mean? It's like I keep thinking like, okay, I know when I in in school, if a teacher said, I'm gonna call your parent, I'd be like, Oh, okay. These kids don't care. They'll be like, yeah. So tall. Yeah. Here's my, here's my phone. Here's my phone. Here's my phone. Call him right now. And I was like, yo, like that was the one thing. I never wanted you to call my mom. But these kids yeah. didn't care, man. He's like, these kids were bulletproof. So that was to me the the difference. Like, yo, there's no sense of consequence. Like, and I realized I taught middle school, so we went through all these classes to try to learn the, the, the psyche of a middle school kid. And uh, if and all of us, if you think back, middle school is the years that you first start getting your own like independence. It's the first, you, maybe you get the key to the house and coming in by yourself. Um, you know, mom or dad is working a lot, so they're not able to come up to the school for conferences. So it's the it's the years that they lose all their parental, you know, shackles. Mm-hmm. You know, they start taking up smoking. They start beating yeah. people up, and you know, like it just, it just happens, and this and it happens in middle school. And yeah. and I was I realized I seen it firsthand. You know, where like parents are like, "Look, I know my kid is a problem, but I can't come. Up, I can't do nothing with him. Like I can't come there to help you. I, can't, I I'm working. I'm trying. I can't do nothing. <laughs> you know." And I'm just like, "Yo, this is out of control." So honestly, that's what it was. I, I've gotten into some some near fist fights with kids, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I, I just couldn't imagine that have happening when I was young in my, in my day. Like, I feel like we had that fear of God a little bit of, of, of teachers or calling home, but right, man, right. I saw no fear. And I, I told a uh, Clemente in North Philly and like, I saw no fear in those kids. When did you, uh, when did you, finally like move on when did you make that decision you were like okay i'm actually going all in on the music like because i know that like music was originally kind of a to some degree a hobby and then at some point you said i'm going to treat this like an actual job um what was that what was that like like that had to be a pretty major life change oh yeah for sure i was um uh you know i was like moonlighting you know i was i was teaching all day and then I'd be up till two, three in the morning making music in the studio, writing or learning programs and learning how to produce or mix or whatever. And so I put out a record. Um, the one that I think did it was this album called Black Materia. Uh, it was about Final Fantasy VII. And I put it out on the internet, didn't really know what I was doing. And then like two months later, it starts blowing up. And it blows up from Reddit. Like it hits the front page of Reddit. People are talking. I didn't even know what Reddit was at this time. I was like, what are y'all talking about? People are like, yo, man, you want Reddit? You killed it. And I'm like, <laughs> I know like Reddit's like the front page of the internet. You know what I mean? It's like basically the front page of the newspaper. So when more people were seeing what I was doing, they started buying the album. They started sharing it. And then like in that one day, I'd probably done more like sales than I'd ever done probably my whole life. And beautiful, beautiful. so- I'm getting all these texts from people while I'm teaching. And they're like, yo, are you seeing this? Yo, you're blowing up. Yo, you over here, you over there. And I'm like, whatever, man, I got to deal with these kids. Like, I ain't trying to hear that. (laughs) So um, by the end of that day, the album was like number like 18 on the iTunes charts or something like that. It was like maybe like got to like top 10 or something. 
And uh, and I had never had anything do that. And I was like, oh, wow. And next to me, I'll never forget on the rap chart, next to me was Lil Wayne and Kanye West. And I was <laughs> <Wow>. like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I bet you they don't have day jobs. <laughs> so that's what I said. I was like, all right, if it works for, for Wayne and Kanye, then I'm doing this. So that's the day I decided, like, all right, I'm going to quit this job. So I put in a two weeks notice and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm going to figure it out. You know, so I gave him the two weeks notice, told him I had to leave. And uh, so that was the, the way it worked. So I, I'm wondering about like this past year, obviously the gigs all dried up. Um, nobody's doing any music. So how have you made that transition? What's, what have been the changes that you've made in the last year? Because obviously from a career standpoint, I'm sure a lot of your income was performing at shows and that's a hundred percent gone. So what was that? What was that change like for you? How did you, how did you change with the things that all of us have been through this year? Oh, man. Yeah, it was rough, especially I think when it first happened, like I was about to have like one of my best like months ever, you know, and that's kind of always how it goes. It's like, oh, man, I, I finally like stand up for myself with this one event, South by Southwest. And I'm like, oh, okay, wow, yeah. I'm not going to South by Southwest unless you're paying me. I've been there five times. I'm not playing this game. And so I was like, I'm not going. And of course, one gig comes through, pays a whole lot. Another gig comes through, pays a whole lot. Another guy's like, hey, do you DJ? I was like, well, I'm, I'm dabbling. Okay, we want you to DJ a party. Another gig comes. So mm -hmm. I was about to get a really good month. And then it's like, nope, gone. Um, I had always been wanting to get streaming going more consistently in my you know time on Twitch. You know, I was like, I've been, I've been meaning to do it. So it's time to give that more of an effort. So if I'm practicing DJing, all right, I could turn the camera on and now people can talk to me. I can talk to them. They can make requests. I can, they can tip or whatever, you know? So it just fast forwarded a lot of stuff that I've been meaning to do, been meaning to get heavy on my Twitch game and been meaning to track this DJM more. Um, and uh, even so been meaning to write this book, get this book out. The book, most importantly, yeah. I was like, no, the book's been kind of, you know, I've been dabbling for five, six years. And it's like, mm. I wouldn't have got it done if it wasn't for the pandemic, you know, because I started right. being like, okay. Tell us, tell us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like a chapter. Tell us a little bit more about the book and, and, and what it's all about. Yeah. Thank yep. you, man. So the, the book is called Dream Master. It is um like a memoir. It starts with my early life and kind of moves into a very important moment. Um, it ends at uh, an important moment when um I got a Guinness World Record. Uh, for like the songs that I was creating or whatever, like having the most songs about a game on YouTube or something. So the journey from people being like, yo, you can't rap about that. You can't do these things. You can't be sounding like that. You can't be doing that. And then to someone to be like, you you do this thing more than anybody. So here you go, you know? Um, so yeah, it was just like, I just felt like through all the conversations I'd had with, at shows with, with artists, with friends, with, you know, fans, I realized that a lot of our stories are similar, even if we come from different places. And, you know, um, so, yeah, it was just it was like I feel like it was important to tell my story, you know, the ups and the downs, not just like the wins, but like the losses, you know. And so I always like to hear that stuff from from my heroes. So I was like, you know, maybe somebody will be interested in this. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's take it to the blunt. Uh, this is going to be uh, rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers, um, and uh, I'll kick it off. You just wrote a book. I want to know what's a book that you read that had a major impact on you. Oh yeah, um, Obama's book was was really really powerful. Um, I think that's that's the most recent like book that I think affected me. So in my mind. That's my competition. I'm like, all right, it's got to be as captivating <laughs> as Obama. And it's like, there's no chance. Like, <laughs> life is way more interesting. Best place to get a cheesesteak in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, not happening. This is what you do, right? <laughs> you get on the I-10, you drive for about 4,000 miles. <laughs> uh, you get to Philly. No, um, there's a spot out no, here. No guys, spots out there? Okay. Guys from okay. South Jersey. Um, there's a spot called the Philadelphia Sandwich Company. They don't even call it the cheesesteak place. Um, it's called oh, Philadelphia right. Sandwich Company. He's from South Jersey. You can get a good hoagie and a pretty decent cheesesteak. Ron Howard options your book. Who do you want to play you in the movie? I think Lil Rel Howry. Do you know that guy? I think Lil oh, Rel yeah. would be great. He's um. Yeah, they don't. They don't know him. He's like an <laughs> black comedian. He's not. It's true. It's true. He's black famous right now, but um, <laughs> but he, you know, I think he, I think he could pull it off. In hindsight, what particular class in school do you wish you had paid more attention to or taken more seriously? Oh, any of my foreign language classes, definitely. Uh, I feel like mm -hmm. that's the only thing I could use right now. Like if I really knew Spanish or French well right, <laughs> right. now, that would help me. Uh-huh. Nah. Especially being here. Like right, right. You know, yeah. If I could speak Spanish, you know, like that would trip people out. Like that would really help me out. <laughs> <Right. Like, you laughs> do you regret beefing with Alex Trebek or do you hope he burns in hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take B there. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, nah, man. We we didn't have a beef. We just had a thing. It was fun. Um You wrote a diss record about him. That's beef, bro. I mean, I just defended my people. That's all. You know, I felt like you know, I felt like we needed defending. We get we get picked on a lot. Like nerds get picked on a lot. Um right. I don't know if it was Which is so funny because like his whole like life was built around Right, nerds. nerds. Thank like, you. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. right. So yeah. for him, to, for him, like, for him to dish you guys you was weird. About? You run the nerdiest show in the world. He's a cool right. nerd, though. Right. He's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I can't front. Like, me and my wife watch Jeopardy every night before bed. And it's like, when, when he passed, like, that really hurt me. I was just like, oh, yeah. my God. You know, Wait, like, what time is Jeopardy on out there? It's like 6.30, 7 o'clock out here. Look, man, we, we have this thing called YouTube TV. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a thing now. Yeah, and Greg, he's like, wait, wait a minute. TV yeah. God said it's hold on. Let me write this down. How do you spell that? You just the letter U two. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Nobody watches live TV right anymore. Like, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, we just we just watched today's episode right before bed. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Wheel of Fortune, which always follows Jeopardy out here? Oh man! Um, first thing that comes to mind a wheel of fortune is, and this is a mad, silly, random reference to a TV show 
starring a woman named Nell Carter. It was called Give Me a Break. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got some old heads here. We remember, okay. yeah. we remember the early 80s TV. We're not all kids like Reef. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Nell gets the trip to Wheel of Fortune, and she's trying to win a car. And I'll never forget, the, um, there was like a saying, and it was like, give me liberty or give me, and it was blank because whatever the last word wasn't there. And she's like, I like to solve the puzzle. I'm like, what is it now? It's like, give me liberty or give me a car. And like, <laughs> <laughs> she lost the show. I never forget that. So that's what comes to my mind when I think. All right, all right. What is your favorite type of show to do? Would you rather be in like a little cellar underground? Would you rather be at Comic-Con or would you rather be at like a real stage show in front of a big crowd? Well, in my life, it's it's so weird. It's been, it's like the shows that you think are going to be amazing are usually the ones that disappoint you yes. and vice versa. I'm sure Reef could probably agree. You think like, yo, this one is about to kill. And you're like, mm, I wouldn't know that. So it all never fails. The show I get paid the most, the, the people are the least receptive, you know, yes, yep. or the other way <laughs> yep. around. So it's like when I'd rather play a show for 10 people in a dirty, dingy basement and have those 10 people singing every word Blue and having the mind. best time of their life, because that's a moment that those people and me will never forget. So to me, those are the best. But after that show, you know, I'm gonna have a difficult conversation with with the venue person who's gonna. Go, <laughs> what can I say, man? Ten people. What, what do you want me to do? And I want you to pay me. Be like, look, man, <laughs> shut the lights off when you leave. Like, we gotta get up out of here. <laughs> like, I have shows like that, and then it's the ten people all want to stay thirty minutes to talk afterwards, and we're having the greatest conversations. So this is uh this is the last question for me. It's uh, one that I usually end on. Um, you a married man? What's the secret to making a relationship work? But this is gonna sound corny, but it's the truth. Communication, by far, mm. have the conversation. Whether it's easy or difficult, you think it's gonna be difficult. You don't want to hear the argument. You don't want to hear their mouth. Have the conversation, or or you'll regret it later. You know. So mm-hmm. that's really it, man. Communication. Uh, my our marriage counselor told me. He's like, you know, most people think that marriage is, is, you know, a 50-50 partnership. Like, you got to, you know, you bring your half, they bring their half, boom, you know. And he's like, no, it's not. It's 100% from you and 100% from her. And you never forget that. And I was like, all right. Like, it seems super simple. But to think, like, no, it ain't meet me halfway. It's never that in a, in a marriage at all. Like, it's going to be times where you don't feel like it. And they don't feel like it, you know, but you got to go above and beyond for those days when they're not 100%. So that's that's the best advice I can give. When shit hits the fan and or when, when this shit's finally done with and we're finally back to some semblance of, of what was normal at one point, where do you most want to perform? Japan, I think. I think I want to go back to Japan, like, for sure, like. Tokyo is super fun for me. It's not always even like the super big shows, but it's just like the passionate people, you know, the great vibes out there, the great sights, the good food. Like, uh, yeah, I think that's where I want to be the most. Like, I want to I rock a show in Japan when this is over, definitely. 
All right. Well, the book is so, uh, Dream Master from the Stoop to the Stage to the Stars uh, and just came out. And uh, uh, definitely grab yourself a copy. Mega Ran, anywhere in particular you recommend people pick up the book? You can get anywhere. Um, I sold out of my personal copies, but I just got some more in the mail. But um, my website, dreammasterbook.com, which I based off Obama's site. It has, <laughs> it has a list of all the places you can get it. So what I try to do is I, I try to highlight um, independent bookstores or black-owned bookstores first, and then at the bottom is Amazon. So it's like mm-hmm. you can go to Amazon. They're probably going to ship faster, and it might even be the cheapest option. So that's fine. So if you go to Amazon, I would say just make sure you leave a review. But that's like where I make the least money. But it's the yep. biggest marketplace in the world, so I understand. Right. But try to support an independent bookstore if you can. Um, there's uh, Black and Nobel in Philly uh, on the list. There's there's at least one I've found in like every state. So I've tried my best to list them on the site. So yeah, just go and grab it. And um, yeah, you won't be sorry. Nice. All right, brother. Thank you so yeah, much. Thanks, Megaran. Appreciate you. No doubt. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, yeah, take it easy. All right. Covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs. The youth dreams cut short. Swept-